This is Journey with Care. I am Johan, your host for today's conversation. You ever wonder what it's really like to open your home and heart to children in care? Today, our guests, Orville and Regina, I know them better as mom and dad. They will take us on an unforgettable journey, sharing their candid experiences, the emotional roller coaster, and the powerful impact it has had on their lives. But before we dive into their incredible journey, I want to clarify that just because this interview is with my parents, it isn't a last-minute guest choice, grasping at straws for interviews. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's because their over 35-year commitment to bringing children into their home is a shining example of expertise, love, dedication, and genuine care. Join me for an intimate look behind the scenes as they reveal their highs, lows, and unexpected moments that come with fostering, all the while shedding light on the incredible transformation it has brought into their own lives. Discover how faith has played a pivotal role in their decision to become foster parents and has sustained them through every challenge along the way. Their story will not only inspire, but challenge you to consider the difference you can make in a child's life or in a foster family's life. Get ready for an eye-opening conversation that'll tug at your heartstrings, inspire you, and leave you with a profound sense of hope. So let's get curious and let's start the conversation. Mom and Dad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to hear from one of our kids on their perspective of our, of our fostering also. Yes. I'm not often the host on this podcast, but I am sometimes. So I have the privilege of interviewing mom and dad. No one else wanted to do it. <laughs> okay, we're going to get right into your story a little bit. So it's been 35 plus years, I believe, right? Around there, yeah. Now, I remember growing up with a lot of foster kids in our home, having lots of brothers and sisters. Uh, but that's my perspective. Maybe we'll get a podcast on that someday, what it's like to have a perspective that, of, of a sibling. That's actually a good one, yes. Yeah, that would be a good one. But I think we want to get the parental perspective and why you guys actually got into fostering to begin with. So before you were fostering, what were your lives like? Like, what were you doing professionally, personally? What did it look like? Well, I grew up in a Christian home and was raised by loving parents. And they took good care of us, and we thrived. And we were taken to church, and they taught us how to love Jesus. And that was where we started from. And I was looking at doing all kinds of different kinds of jobs, uh, pastoring for many years, and that involved counseling, that involved working with different age groups of people. and. We pastored for a lot of years and started a lot of church plants kind of at the beginning, right? It was more of that kind of thing. And what brought us together, he was in Bible school. I was a youth leader at only 15 years old. Brought us together and we served Jesus. Our passion for the Lord was the thing that glued us together and brought us together. And then we started having our children and we enjoyed them so much. And any of the little challenges, and they were very little when we think back now, (laughs) <laughs> the challenges were so small, but we overcame them with the Lord's wisdom and with help. So that kind of led us into why we liked fostering, but it didn't really lead us into fostering. So what was the story that led you into fostering? I mean, 
my sister was born six and a half years before me, and you didn't have foster kids yet. It was probably another five or six years. Yeah, you were about five when we started because you just started kindergarten. Yeah. I mean, we were good enough kids that you obviously were okay bringing in more. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You were the more challenging, but it also taught us a lot. Okay. So what circumstance led you into wanting to bring in some more children into your home? We hadn't really heard of fostering or thought of it. Like I said, you were little and, and Dara was 12 already. And so we were invited to some friend's house. We were visiting with them and here they were foster parents. And we were like, oh, okay. So I kind of was interested in that. And then she was telling me about it. And I was very devastated, actually. It hurt my spirit uh, because there was a little boy there sweeping the kitchen floor. And I said, oh, you know, he's what, eight years old. She goes, well, he's our foster son. And she said, he, he was bad. So now he has to do some extra chores. I thought, oh, okay. And then she said, I put him in a tub of cold water because he wasn't obeying us. I couldn't say anything. I was just kind of shocked. And then she said, yeah, and we got a little, a little girl who's about a year and a half, and she was napping at the time. And she says, yeah, they brought her in in the night, and she was crying and crying, and she had a baby's bottle, and she's way too old to have a baby bottle. So I took it away from her, and I just about cried there. I still tear up just thinking about it. And I didn't want to stay very long. Um, my husband and I stayed a little bit, and then we left, and we got in the car, and I was just bawling my head off. <laughs> and I'll step in here. Uh, yeah, we, we sat in the car and we just looked and what was that? You know, like what, what are these people doing? And Gina, she just kind of pulled herself together and she says, you know what? I think we can do better than that. She says, maybe we should look at fostering. Maybe we should look at getting into taking care of, of these kids that are so needy that have no place to go. And they're just kind of lost in a system that that they don't know anything about or, or how to navigate through, and they need someone to care for them, and we could do that. Yeah, we decided at that time, it just broke us, actually, and, and our hearts were just broken for these kids. So we were just really feeling compassionate there. And just shortly after that, during devotions, I was reading in Matthew 25, and again, I tear up with this because it really hit me hard. And it's when Jesus was talking to some people here. Matthew 25. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Now, I cry a lot with that one because it just was like the command of the Lord to us, to all the believers, but specifically to us at the time that we could do this with the children, and if we did it onto them, we did it as onto the Lord. So that was the beginning for us, and then so we stepped into fostering. So you guys were in ministry at the time. So just carrying the Lord's heart, like how did your personal values and beliefs, like how did that influence your decision to enter the world of fostering? We were both very tender-hearted and had 
a lot of compassion as pastors too, uh, doing counseling. And we kind of learn to meet people where they're at and we learn to love the unlovable, like Jesus taught us to do, right? And sometimes that's the way it is with fostering too, is you love the unlovable because a lot of people reject them. We took fostering kids who no other foster homes wanted them. We took the most difficult cases and we kind of laughed to the workers later because they gave us the most difficult cases because they knew we could handle it, which is kind of not fair in a way. But yet, I believe God directed every kid into our home that he wanted in our home. One of the things that uh, I remember now that had, had gone through my mind as we were considering this is that when I was younger, my parents had actually taken in a child as a foster child just for six or seven months. And this little girl, she came into our home and she was integrated into our home very quickly and became one of the family. And we we loved her, we adored her, and uh, she she grew up in a home that, that really cared for her, that loved her, and grew up to be an outstanding person. So I thought back to that and I thought, yeah, that was a good experience. And we can have more good experiences like that. So let's go there a little bit. You saying that your parents also brought in a child. So how did your families react to when you told them that you're going to be bringing in foster children? What, what was that experience like? I think Orv's mom was awesome about it because we came there now with not just two children, but six children to stay overnight there. And she always made extra beds and extra room for them. And she was so generous and loving to the kids. And I just, it just blessed my heart when we get, we could get a break because she helped me. She'd cook with me and, and clean and help with the kids and entertain the kids, which the kids loved going to grandma's too. My parents weren't around because they had moved away, but we actually traveled to New Brunswick with our foster children and they were so accommodating also. And so were my brothers and them. They just accepted them as family and loved the kids and even the craziness, they would just shake their heads and laugh because we we did it and we were part of it and it was all okay. We did lose a few friends over it. Uh, we had a family that, friends that we had known for a long time and they're awesome people, we thought. And I mean, they are in most ways, but when we went there with our foster kids, she was, um, she was very prejudiced and um, she thought that kids, foster kids and indigenous children in particular were not good kids and she called them welfare kids and she had separate towels, she had separate everything for them and did not welcome them very well. And I was very disheartened by that and we never went back there with them. We did keep in touch with them, but in a very different way and it really changed our friendship. So did you feel like you almost needed to distance yourselves from that friendship or did that just happen naturally? Yeah, we did. Like I said, we talked to them personally a few times, but we never included our family with them. So you talked about how when you bring them to your parents, they made awesome accommodations bringing them in. And I remember some of those trips even to New Brunswick. I mean, we were in Manitoba and Saskatchewan going all the way to New Brunswick. Uh, ridiculous drives and lots of stories that we can tell. So what kind of accommodations did you have to make to your lifestyle and your home? We obviously had to get bigger homes and more bedrooms. And my husband was very good at MacGyvering, we call it, 
a lot of things to make it work to have extra spaces. And he made a three-bed bunk bed one time. That was quite interesting. Uh, had three boys in. Johan uh, was one of them yeah. that stayed on there. You remember that bunk bed? I remember jumping off that bunk bed quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and had a couple other boys that were, that were sleeping on that too. But we had to, had to do that to have room. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had enough room. Well, when we were in Saskatchewan, we were able to have six foster children, which they readily put in our home. Wow. And then so we, we had, had eight all together. And then we had our two. And uh, I call them homemade kids. And a station wagon at that time as well. Yes. And it was, thank goodness it was before seatbelts because they would sit crisscross across the back of the station wagon. And we would sometimes bring one of their friends along from our daughter's friend. And on top of that, my wife was doing babysitting, and <laughs> and so those kids would be included in our in our household. And oh man, you know, like taking them all out to the park and everything, and and we'd have to stop at Seven Eleven and get them some hot dogs. And man, they had a a deal: you get two hot dogs for a dollar, three and, three hot dogs or, for or a three, dollar at three the time. Hot dogs yep. for a and dollar, they would and, pile those hot dogs and hamburgers and a hamburger for a dollar, and we get know, a big so. gulp. And lots of cups, and we'd share that. So we did it on the cheap because you didn't get paid well for it. But we made sure we had fun, and we stretched the dollar with that, and God helped us with that. Yeah, for those that think people get into fostering just for money, there was not much money in it back then. No. So there were sacrifices that you had to make as part of those accommodations, and that was me not having my own room and... I don't think I'm any worse for wear because of it. <laughs> no. Well, that was one of our big considerations are are the kids, you know, like for you and and our daughter, you know, how how was it going to affect you and how was it going to make a difference or whether it was going to be good for you or what, you know, like we weren't sure how that was going to pan out. And yet we trusted that God had his hand in it and that he was working on that and he could work in you too which he did you know like it was awesome our our first foster child was the same age as our daughter and they had their little competitive struggles at times but not very serious and yet they supported one another and they uh, they worked with one another so it it turned out really well and god has uh, has just been so good i kind of think that it kind of brought Dara and Johan closer together because there was kids coming and going a lot, but it was always our kids were part of the whole thing. And that was part of what concerned me is when kids left, how they would feel because they too helped with the kids and got attached. Part of that also helped us was the positive peer pressure kind of thing. Kids go through peer pressure the most is Dara and Johan were so well-behaved, and our other foster kids, once they got secure in our home, really helped because you get a new kid come in, they look at your kids to see how they're doing, and they follow their examples of trust with the parents or how they react to the parents. So that actually helped a lot, and they showed Jesus in their lives in many ways, our kids. That, that was what they grew up with, and it was very strong in Dara and Johan. And that helped to show the other kids Jesus' love for them and for the home, for the household. Yeah, me and my sister for sure had a great relationship, and we still do. 
at that time you weren't getting many permanent kids. A lot of it no. was just those that are transitioning to their own families and back. Uh, so we would get a lot of kids for a shorter amounts of time. So me and my sister were kind of stabilizing each other yep. in that friendship. Yet we still have some of those kids that are coming to all our gatherings. And yep. and to this day, they are my brother and sister. They are not foster kids. They're just part of our family, right? Yeah, that was more the longer term kids that we got later on. And of course, the ones that ones that other foster homes rejected. And we took in and we kept them for a long time. And they became part of our home and part of like a brother and sister to our kids. And there were some that didn't want to go back to their original homes. No. They, like they wanted to stay with you guys. When things like that happened, it was one of the first things when we had kids that had to leave and my heart was already attached to them and it was so hard to do. Again, I'm going to cry. Uh, I was sitting in church and I said, Lord, how do I do this? Um, this little girl that uh, that went to kindergarten with Johan and I just adored her and it, she went back to her family and it didn't really look like a good situation to me. But the Lord said, I'm going to go with them. I will be there at night. I will watch over them when you can't watch over them. I will be with them when you can't be with them. And I love them even more than you do. So those things spoke to my heart and I was saying, you know, guard my heart, Lord. And he says, I will help you through that. I will touch your heart and help you. And he has, and he did. And I'm so thankful for that. I just prayed the same thing over my children because they get attached. At least the beginning, they were short-term, which you still get attached to them, but not as much as the longer-term ones. You guys remember all your kids. You pray for them. You still pray for them. In yes. fact, you pull up these Christmas ornaments. Yes. <laughs> you had these Christmas ornaments for each child that you had in your home, and you would put them on the tree to remember to pray for them each Christmas. Daryl Lynn helped me with that too, writing their names on the bulbs of the Christmas tree, and we would decorate them. And every year we would put them on the Christmas tree and pray over their names every time we put the bulb up. Yeah. Well, one of the things is also just the faith that we have and the uh, the presence of the Lord in in our home. Like all through our fostering, we have had numerous uh, workers that have come in and they say, man, your home just feels so peaceful. We love coming here. And uh, we're able to share Jesus with them and, and tell them, you know, it's because of, of Christ in our home. And even though some, well, most of them did not have a faith in Jesus and, and some were of, of different religions, but just to for them to walk into our home and and they would comment you know like your home is so peaceful and uh, we've had kids that have come in and they have just felt the peace of god as a matter of fact what uh, one of our our children he that had come in like the first first time he had he had been rejected at a former foster home and so they didn't know where to put him and they asked if they could bring him over we said sure and he walked in and he says you know I think this is God's will. And uh, he had just come out of Bible camp, so it was uh, something that was on his mind, you know, of, about God. And so he walked in, he said, I, I think this is God's will. And so that was awesome, you know. And the kids that we've had, we've been able to to demonstrate the love of Jesus and, and share how Jesus is so important. Some have, have accepted, some haven't. But this is something that they're going to carry for the rest of their lives, I believe. Yeah, and we always know that 
God knows them more than we do. There's times when I'm like, Lord, I can't figure out what this little person's thinking or what's happening. What do I do to change this behavior? Because some, some of them were destructive. And God would give me wisdom because the Bible says you ask wisdom of God, he'll give it to you, right? And we did because we had that trust and that open relationship. We could hear God already. That's where that foundation is so important. And he would tell me think, little things to do, and i do it, and like, wow, this works. It's awesome. Or even talk to people, because I asked one of the workers one time about a problem I was having with a child, and she, she just laid it out so good. So there's wisdom in, you know, you can talk to your worker, or another foster parent is really awesome, too, to have that. So for those that are thinking about going into fostering, what is some helpful advice that you would give them? One of the things, like I had stated before, is to have the positive peer pressure, like your own home, your own children, if you have children, will also influence them. And then as you get to separate the time a bit before you get new ones, because you get new foster children, they can settle in your home and they get confident with you. And then they will influence the new children coming into your home because the children look to other children more than the adults. They trust them more, they find more comfort with them, and they relate to them more. One thing I would say is to pray for sure about the children, because God knows them more than you do, and recognize that and admit that, and pick your battles with your foster children. When they come in, it's really scary for them, and you've got to embrace that. I always pray that around my doorway, when anybody's stepping into my home, and when a foster child is coming with the worker, Lord, you meet them there first, because he knows them best, and he loves them even more than we do. And Lord, you meet them there first, and touch them, and help them to feel welcome, and give us the right words to say, Lord, let the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you, and let them be healing and not harmful. Let the words of my mouth bring more healing to them in their hearts, and they're so broken, and to heal them, Lord, through me, whoever contacts them, my husband. One of the things that that we need to remember is that we are just mere instruments that God can use to to introduce them and, and to bring them to Him, who is the healer, who is the, the one who cares for them even more than we ever could. And as we allow God to minister to our hearts and, and to show us things that these kids are maybe going through, like we can have a history of these kids and or the children and what they've gone through and stuff, but, you know, it goes a whole lot deeper than that. There's more far below the surface than, than what they have on any history, and God knows about it. And he can reach down into those hurting places and those places that that really need healing and bring healing to them. That's how you kind of need to put yourselves in their shoes and think about their circumstances. When you see a child come in your home, you put yourself in that place. How would you feel? I would have been devastated because I grew up in a wonderful home too, in a Christian home. And I can't imagine being taken away from my parents and living in a strange place because their foods and their customs are different. And you got to remember that too. And your habits are different. Even if yours are better, they're still different. And these kids need to adjust. And it's good to ask them and to be kind to them and remember that their customs are different and their way of living is different. And another good thing is try to have relationships with their families. 
don't talk bad about them. Don't say awful things about what happened to them or their parents, what they've said or done. When you hear things, just ask God to help you keep your face neutral because there's sometimes I want to show surprise and shock and outrage. And I say, God, just keep my emotions in check when the kids talk to me because you don't want to show that to them because you can do that later. But you don't want them to feel bad about their parents or doubt the love of their parents. Most of the time, I tell them, your, your mom or your dad are probably sick or they're hurting themselves or they're having some struggles, but they love you. They always love you. If they could take care of you, they would. But we're going to try to help them right now because they can't. But remember, they love you because if a child feels unloved, they're going to feel rejected and it's going to hurt their self-esteem. And they're already hurting so much and you want to help them because they're so broken. You don't want to hurt them more. That's really good. Now, this, this podcast is about caring for our neighbors. And it takes a village to raise a child. That's, that's the saying, right? Yeah. Uh, so what about those that, like, they hear this story and they're, they're drawn to it, but not in a situation where they can foster. But maybe they know people around them that do foster. Maybe there's people in their church or the communities that have children in care or maybe children that have been adopted. What would you say to those ones, how they can support families that are fostering children? Or bringing in other people into their homes? Well, one thing for sure that is needed and is actually respite, respite workers, if people have the hearts for it and they can't take them in their homes, if they could do respite for a family, that means even like being like a big brother or a big sister and taking the, the child out and spending some time with them or coming into your home, bring them some treats or a meal once in a while to give the foster parents a break because there's not always respite available. And it's, it's a lot of kids, it's a lot, it's a big job, but it is nice to have a break once in a while. And if they could do that, and for sure, prayer support. And if they could just give things to the family, and if you're going to bring a treat, bring one for everybody, not just one person or one child. Just like if you are going to bring some type of clothing or something, try to include something for everybody or a toy or something, uh, because it's really hard if it's only one person because the foster parents suddenly scramble to get some stuff to make it up for the other kids. Yes, don't single them out as separate from the, yeah. from the family. Include them as part of that family, as part of that home. I think that's very important. Does that include parents saying, these are my foster children and labeling them as such? Or would you rather just say, these are they, my kids? They do not like to be labeled. It hurts the kids so much. I, I can't think of the number of times where I try not to say it even in a store or something. I'll just say, these are my kids. And some people look at me funny because they're all different nationalities and everything like that. And I just let them figure it out <laughs> because I'm not going to say these are my foster kids unless it's a place where you have to say something like that. But you don't want other people saying, oh, are these your foster kids or saying something? It's so better not to refer to them as that. Just is this part of your family is the best way. Like my husband says, it's so important. And even biblically speaking, he sets the lonely in families. He doesn't yeah. set them just into care. Yeah. He sets them into families. So so is there is there anything else that you wanted to share that we might have missed? Maybe you, you were thinking on these things as we were going into the interview. Well, one of the things that I was thinking of was that uh, in supporting 
people that are fostering don't think that they're in it for the money because they really aren't. You hear so much of that, and and we heard so much of that. You know, you guys are just doing it for the money. Well, we spent far more money on those kids than than what we ever got in, but the reward was so great from just how those kids change and and how they they were brought into our families. And it took sacrifice on our kids. It took sacrifice on our part. And the amount that you get is just maybe enough just to get you uh, started for a few days and in feeding them and taking care of them. But putting yourself into it all and saying, yeah, you know, like, this is my job or this is the thing I want to do. I want to care for these kids. And and if, if you know people that are fostering, support them in that. Just help them out and, and understand that they're doing it because they love what they do and they, they love the kids. Also, part of it that I wanted to say again for the advice is, we, we touched on it a bit, is with their natural families. If, you, if it's possible for you to have a good relationship with the child's siblings, and even their parents. There's been many cases where we've been able to reach out and talk to the parents and we've even had people over for coffee. And that's, you know, that's something that workers are just amazed about, about our relationship with that. I think our pastoring has helped that and being counseling and stuff like that. And you can't get a tight, close relationship. It's not good to get too familiar with families. But if you can have a, at least a, a comfortable relationship where you can talk on the phone and discuss things if you need to about the child. One of the issues that a lot of people find is the parents don't want you to cut the kid's hair and stuff. We just go with that. You know, like we want to respect them and they appreciate the respect because they have very little power at that point. And something as simple as don't cut my kid's hair is a little bit of power that they can keep and say over their own children. So you need to respect that and things like that. And if you can ask their opinion on things, there's visits that we've had where I've sent a birthday cake or cupcakes along with the kid and say, this is, I let them help me make it so that the parent just doesn't think I'm doing something. It's like the child and I will make cupcakes together. And the, and I tell the parent, your child made cupcakes with me to take to the visit and they all enjoy it. It's just wonderful things. But a win-win situation will be if you get a relationship with them. Because if you have a child long-term and you fall in love with this child, this child will connect with its parent again after they leave care. It's natural if it's a reserve or if it's a home in, in another city or town or something, they're going to want to go there and meet with them. And if you've got a relationship with the family as well as the child, it's going to help you stay connected with them. And probably a lot of these parents themselves don't have anyone to care for them, right? So the Lord's expanding your circle for you to be able to care for others in community well. We've had a lot of parents call us and ask for advice after. My child's doing this or that, and what should I do? And we try to help them out and not make them feel less, but just try to help them. Like God gives us wisdom in that, and he'll give you the words for that too. There was a family that called us for prayer because their child had talked to them and said, she has really powerful prayers. So this parent heard this and asked me to pray for them. Such great stories and, and great to hear your guys' heart and how the Lord led you into that and, and how he's transformed so many people through that and even myself being part of that. So thank you for sharing your backstory and, and your journey. 
So thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, we love talking about this because it's our heart. It's it's our life. We don't mind sharing those stories because it's such a reality for us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care. We're here to inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. Visit our website at journeywithcare.ca to connect with Care Impact, find the latest updates on our weekly episodes, details about our upcoming events, meetups, and information about our incredible guests. You can also leave us a voice message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. Together we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious.